Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Well, tonight, I will be teaching on the Apostle John. And again, for those who aren't here, I am going through first the 12 apostles, and then all those in the Bible. Should take a while. John was one of the disciples. He was born of Zebedee and had a brother named James. And John, this John is not to be confused with the John the Baptist. John's brother James was another of the twelve uh, disciples of Jesus. Together, Jesus called them Bonages, which means the sons of thunder. Which can be found in Mark 3.17. By that we find a key John's personality. Both brothers were characterized by their zeal, their passion and ambition for, the, for Jesus. In his early days with Jesus, at times John acted rashly, recklessly, and aggressively. We see him in Mark 9, forbidding a man to cast out demons in Jesus' name because he was not part of the twelve. So let's turn to Mark 9, verses 38 through 40. Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon after speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Now, paraphrasing it, Jesus was basically saying to, I mean, I'm sorry, John was basically saying to Jesus, I just saw this man trying to cast out demons in your name. But of course, I told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Again, Jesus tells him to stop doing that. Anyone who performs a miracle in my name will not be able to speak evil of me. Poor John, he means well. Reminds me of me. For another example, let's turn to Luke 9, 51 through 55. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him 
because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? One of the reasons the Jews and Samaritans did not get along is because when the kingdom was split into two kingdoms, the northern, whose center of worship was Samaria, and the southern kingdom, whose center of worship was Jerusalem. The Samaritans had eventually intermarried with non-Jews, and thus this and other factors caused division amongst the people. We see the brothers wanting to call down fire from heaven to, from heaven to destroy the Samaritans, who refused to welcome Jesus. What does Jesus end up doing? Well, let's read verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Yet again, Jesus had to rebuke them for their intolerance and lack of genuine love for the lost. As for myself, there has been, unfortunately, times when I've confronted someone in an unloving way that I would have considered an enemy. Then, by either the Holy Spirit, by God's word, or my wife, I'm rebuked and reminded of the love Jesus has towards me as a sinner. Especially the love Jesus had toward, towards me, even prior to becoming a Christian when I was still in the world. So when you are in a situation like this, just remember the love Jesus has towards you and how it turned you and your life around. John's zeal for Jesus was also influenced by his natural ambition, as seen in his request through his mother that he and his brother had seated, that be seated on Jesus' right and left hands in the kingdom. So let's turn to Matthew 20, 20 through 23. Again, that's Matthew 20, verses 20 through 23. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, Jesus, with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And, he's, and he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in, the, in your kingdom. Well, again, Jesus replies in verses 22 to 23, starting with 22, but Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Of course, they said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And notice that they both reply right away, we can. Rather than asking Jesus, what cup has, was he speaking about? Right away they jumped the gun. But it was an incident that caused a temporary rift between the brothers and the other disciples. Now let's move on to talk about John as an author. The Apostle John is the author of five New Testament books. Of course, the book of John, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, and then the book of Revelation. John was part of Jesus' inner circle, along with Peter and James, his brother. John was given the privilege of witnessing Jesus' conversation with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, this can be read in Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Again, you can turn there if you like. That's Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as snow. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. That must have been an amazing thing to witness. That would have been really cool. But John's importance also in the twelve grew as he matured. And after the crucifixion, according to the Apostle Paul, John became a pillar in the Jerusalem church, which we can read in Galatians 2, verses 6 through 9. Again, that's Galatians 2, 6 through 9. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. 
God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now, to give you a little background, the Galatians ended up leaving their voyage of faith and basing it off works. Paul, finding this disturbing, writes this letter to them attacking the gospel of works and defending the faith, the, the gospel of faith. So here, Paul describes John, along with James and Cephas, as pillars. Now for me, a pillar is something that is used for support. It holds something up and must be strong. And I see John as a man who is strong in his faith. One who supported his faith. Now, let's apply this to our own lives. Can someone refer to you or me as a pillar of our faith? Do we stand strong in the storms? When we go through those hard times, when we are persecuted by a coworker, or when a so-called friend decides it's not for him or her and says they don't want to hang out with you anymore. And I've had many of those. Are you willing to not compromise when put in one of these situations? Are you there when a brother or sister is in need of some support? Are you willing and able to defend your faith when needed? I find the way to effectively defend our faith is to know it. To understand it all you can. A pillar isn't a pillar instantly. There's a process. That needs to happen. And it needs to be built, formed, and it does take time. And that also applies to our faith as a Christian. At the point of receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the process just begins.
you know, with the Holy Spirit in us to help, the, pri- the process of Christ-likeness just starts. And I believe, depending on how much you want it, will determine how much and fast we grow in our faith and how well you hold up in those storms. It's as simple as this. As to what determines the strength of a pillar, the type and amount of material used, like concrete, marble, or stone, and so on, there are also pillars out there which on the outside appear strong, but in reality, inside is hollow. And when the storms come, they end up toppling over. The same applies to our Christian walk. If and what we put in will determine the strength of our faith. Do we appear strong on the outside, but when storms come, when the rubber meets the pavement, we waver or even topple over? Or are we made out of the spiritual material which will cause us to stand firm? Let me emphasize this. None of this can permanently be done without Jesus. If you're not saved and you've never accepted Jesus as, a pers- as your personal Lord and Savior, and those who are listening to this CD or on the internet, you're going to go in circles. You're never going to meet those goals. And you're going to be struggling to either get saved or you leave this world. Let me ask you this. How much do you want it? How much do you want to be that strong pillar? To be more like Jesus. As you can see all around, the world is quickly fading away. There's shootings every day. I don't think there's another one. In the end, our outcome as Christians will be determined by how well we are grounded in our faith. Will we be like that girl in the Caliban who was challenged by a guy pointing a gun at her head and knowing her life here in this world would be taken? She says, yes, I am a Christian. Would you and I do that? Are you that strong in your faith that you would say it with, without that doubt and that confidence? That's something to think about. It made me think. John also ministered with Peter, which is found in Acts 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb, was carried, 
whom they lead daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from there from those who enter the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Something else to notice. John is blessed to be part of a ministry of seeing God's work. You know, for myself, um, my attitude before I actually became a leader in this church, I was pretty cocky. I didn't realize what went into ministry. I didn't realize when you deal with people, you have a problem, lots of them. I, um, I was pretty arrogant about it. I couldn't understand why you were doing, you know, like why leaders in a church would do things this way or that way. Wow. It's got to be pretty simple to be in a church with everybody loving each other. Uh-huh. It's not. I've learned that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to get along with personalities, number one. And when you're dealing with ministry, you're dealing with a lot of people, and it's a spiritual hospital. There's a lot of problems and issues. And... As Pastor Joe would say, we're constantly putting out fires. But let me tell you, it's not to scare you. When you're obedient to what God has for you in your life, it's an honor to do it. He gives you the strength to do it and the ability to do it. And I have a wife that supports me 100%, and that's a big help. I'm sure I'm speaking for all the other leaders here. But what I did learn also about becoming a leader here in this church is that with all the problems that you do have and the struggles and the attacks at your home, through your home, Satan doesn't want us to make that change and that difference in this world for the kingdom. So he tries to stop you with every, any which way he can. And it's tough at times. But what I have found that the treasures that are waiting for us are far much more valuable than the things in this world. And the things that I've seen here in just people changing lives, coming to know Jesus, has really blessed me. You know, it's really, it really touches me to be a part of it. and to see lives transformed really blesses me. And if you are called to do something, be obedient, because you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on his blessings. 
You don't want to miss out on it. Because you're not only going to miss out on it. Those that you would bless, that God would use you to bless, they are missing out too. So I've learned a lot since then. And it's something that I'm sure John and Peter and Paul and all of them would share the same. No matter what they went through, it was worth it was worth it the whole way. But this also reminds me of something. This lame man has no idea what was about to be given to him. He's asking for a handout, but is given something much more valuable. As a believer, how often do you think we forget who we're speaking to when we pray? To an all-knowing, all-powerful God, a Father who loves us. You know this lame man didn't know who he was speaking to and what he was about to receive. He had no idea. He thought it was going to be some kind of gold. And yet, we Christians, even knowing the God we serve, how much he loves us, how much he wants to bless us, choose to settle for less. Sounds pretty dumb, doesn't it? It is. It's very foolish. You know, when we go to church, and in our eyes, just enough. Once in a while. Not taking advantage of the prayer night, Bible studies and home groups. We are settling for less. We are shortchanging ourselves. I find of some of the reasons some people don't get involved is because they want to just do, just to do enough to get by. Another, I would consider a big reason, our priorities. Having the wrong priorities in order. You know, the correct order should be God number one, husband and wife if you're married, your family, and then the church. If you're doing it in any other order, you are going to have issues. And I have not fallen short of this. Every time I put it out of order, we have problems, and my wife can speak for that too. I guarantee it. Every time we have issues, if it's out of order. There is so much more that our God, our Father, wants for us. We need to pray in a way of knowing who God is and how much he wants to bless us. Your prayer would be a lot different. It would not be a wish list. You would pray with confidence. Now finally, John was ex exiled. He was banished to the island of Patmos by the Romans where he received from God the visions that comprised the book of Revelation. So where the Romans thought he was going to be punished, God uses it. And he writes the book of Revelation. 
Now, according to the tradition, he died in the year of 100 AD. He was 94, John. I'm sure if John could speak to you now that he would, he would tell you again that it was worth every bit of what he went through for what he saw God do. Now in closing, you know, it's great to have zeal for the Lord. It's great. But like John did at times, it can also cause us to make hasty decisions if used in the wrong way. It can also cause people to be drawn away rather than towards God. It can also cause us to get ahead of God. And you will, then you'll wonder, how did I get here? You better take a good look in the mirror. But let me leave you with this. If you feel you haven't been doing enough to become that solid, strong pillar, which I talked about tonight, it's not too late. You leave this world, it's going to be too late if you haven't done it. You're going to miss out. But while you're here and you're still breathing, you still have time. Get into the Word and learn all you can. Pray to God in a way that you know who you're praying to. To a God who wants to bless you as much as you want to be blessed. And as you can see, John was just another apostle who was far from perfect. But his love and zeal for Jesus and by God's strength, he also accomplished great things. And so could you. And don't think you can't. And I've heard all the excuses. I even I probably said most of them. But I'm up here teaching now. And it still blows me away. Don't miss out on God's blessings. What he has for you is beyond anything that this world could ever offer you. And you'll be storing up treasures in heaven that'll be waiting for you. Become that pillar which will still be standing after the storm. Be that pillar that's standing, the last one standing, so you can continue doing your work for the Lord. Let us pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.